Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically, the podcast where we explore what redefining relationships looks like through a sex-positive lens. Let's kick shame and guilt to the curb and really start living a sexy, authentic life. I'm passionate about normalizing out-of-the-box ways of designing relationships. There's nothing quite like finding your tribe and experiencing the freedom of being completely yourself without judgment. I'm your host, Kareen Bedard, your sex-positive relationship designer, and I'm here to guide you in creating the relationship you desire, whether that is a more open one or simply a more empowered one. Join me every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to enjoy the newest episode. Welcome back to Breaking Free Authentically. Today is episode 55. It's an exciting number. And I have a very lovely, beautiful guest today. Her name is Tiffany Harnsomkram. She is a conscious divorce coach, founder of House of Balance Global, the co-founder of Phoenix Acceleration Services, Tiffany is a recognized leader in family office, impact investing conferences, and impactful communities. I met her when she was actively um, divorce coaching. She has a program called Divorce to Destiny in which she really helps people break free from the programming that we've been taught. So we have very, very similar work in sort of different areas, but you'll see in this podcast, in this conversation that our worlds do converge so much and we have such aligned work and it's always such a pleasure to talk with her. I was a guest for her a while back for one of her courses and uh, we recorded something together And it was, again, such a great conversation then. She talks about radical self-acceptance with hyper-flexibility. And we're in a culture where we have to conform to the latest whim. We have to conform to the newest fad or we're not enough. Okay, so if we've broken free and we are enlightened or woke, if you want to use that word, now we have to do all the things, the yoga, the this, the uh, retreats and mindfulness and all these things. And it can be so overwhelming and we can get into a completely new trap of conforming. And so we're going to talk about that today um, as I am launching my new Breaking Free from Conformity program. And I'm so excited about that name because it's really at the heart. And you'll see today at the heart, that's what I'm passionate about is for people to be able to break free from this oppressive programming that some of us have had. But society in general teaches us that we have to abide by certain rules We have to have certain kinds of relationships. Relationships are there to meet certain needs and to complete us. And there's just so many backwards teachings that we have, but we take it as the most natural, best thing. And so we work and work and work to adhere to these standards that actually aren't healthy. They often don't make sense. And we don't allow ourselves to question things. So we're encouraging you to listen, to question, to own who you are, to figure out who you are, dig deep into 
your desires, who you are, your love, your what makes you tick, what gives you energy, what brings you joy. Follow your joy is what she says at the end of the day. Follow your joy and really get out of victim energy and take control of your own life. And that starts with breaking free from conformity so that you can be your own person. Fill your own tank. Plug yourself in so that you can be of use to other people and do it without shame and guilt. So strap in, get ready for the ride. Here we go. We'll be back in a minute. Do you feel like you've been sold a fairy tale when it comes to sex and love? Why isn't it working? Why am I not fulfilled or satisfied? Why do I have a deep longing for more? Maybe you've had some of these thoughts. Did you know it's not your fault? That's right. You've been brainwashed since childhood with disempowering beliefs about sex and relationships. This is known as the mono mindset. If you're tired of feeling stuck, you're ready for Breaking Free from Conformity, the eight-week program where you will learn how the mono mindset has set you up for failure in relationships, why you think of sex as wrong or taboo, why you judge yourself, you will finally learn how to have empowered relationships with confidence and success. Many of my clients have said, Kareen, I didn't know I had choices. I thought I needed a partner to feel complete. I thought I was supposed to suppress my desires to have a successful relationship. What if you could learn to love yourself and your desires without guilt? Well, you can. With Breaking Free from Conformity, the eight-week program, shifting the subconscious programming that is keeping you stuck. It's not your fault. You weren't given a choice. It's time to break free and start living your life. To register, go to offers.kareenbedard.com forward slash BFFC for breaking free from conformity. I can't wait for you to find ultimate freedom and create an empowered relationship for yourself. Please visit our website at www.breakingfreeauthentically.com and subscribe to our mailing list so you never miss an episode. Be sure to leave a review on Podchaser by clicking the link at the top of the page. That would mean the world to me. Finally, I'd love for you to join Breaking Free Authentically, our private sex-positive relationship community on Facebook. All the links will be posted in the show notes. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome back to Breaking Free Authentically. I am so excited to have my guest today, Tiffany Harnson-Cram. Yes, you got it. All right. It's such a tough one to say. (laughs) I've been looking forward to this conversation and I've wanted to have you on the podcast for actually a really long time. Um, You had me on your podcast or video series. What was that? It was a yeah exactly it was it was an online course series yeah okay I still have it awesome so you had me on there and I just remember the first time we talked you just we just had so much alignment we've had similar backgrounds in so many ways so like I say my my first podcast is called uh, Bible School Graduate Turned Playboy Enthusiast and you also grew up with this fundamentalist evangelical Christianity, you got the Judeo-Christian worldview, and that hugely influences 
our programming and how we grow up in the world and and view the world, right? What glasses we see the world through, um, what color that lens is. And I find that that's a pretty extreme view. However, I talk about this societal programming being heavily informed by the religious programming. And you're in Europe. Mm. So it's slightly different there, but like in the US is the hub of this Judeo-Christian cultural mentality. And I think a lot of people there don't even recognize how much of it is just cultural. They don't even really believe it or know anything different. They don't understand why they do things. Um, So anyways, welcome to the show, Tiffany. I'm so happy you're here. Yeah, thank you. I just, and I know it's very easy for us to talk for hours and hours about anything and everything. And yeah, I, you know, I grew up in the church like you did. And, but I grew up in the church in three different countries, Mm. most of which was in Seattle, Washington, uh, in the US. But I also was an evangelical Christian of multi denominations in France and in Thailand. And interestingly enough, those experiences were also what helped me break free because I saw how differently Mm -hmm. people behaved in France and in Thailand with the very same Bible, with the very same teachings, um, noticing that, you know, even one set of beliefs can take on extremely different forms, depending on what lens is put on them and what's considered normal culturally. uh, But agreed with you that in the States, was by far the most um, prescriptive, most stringent kind of structure that that I experienced. Mm. Yeah, I remember a few years ago, and I really noticed how culturally Christian people are. Like, for me, the idea of being a Sunday Christian was mm. abhorrent. But to a lot of people, it's like, they do all the normal things that non-Christians do during the week. They drink, they joke around and and all this kind of stuff. And then Sunday they go to church and it's like holier than thou, but they're normal in every other sense of what I would consider sort of the non-Christians. And I was taught to set myself apart from that, like always to be so different from the world and not blend in and not fit in. And this non-blending in just meant that I had to conform and blend in really, really, really well with my own version and community of believers. Um, And so it's just like you say, like every pocket of Christianity has the same Bible yet very different interpretations of it. And so when I started to look at sort of the different denominations, even I was like, okay, so I'm brethren. I wear head coverings. There's no music. Uh, The first service, you know, we sing acapella because I guess there's, there's Psalms verses that talked about music, you know, basically distracting from godliness or, or some, in Mm. some cases being sinful. And it's like, Music is like the language of the soul. I'm a musician. And like, why didn't I question that? Like, it was just so weird when I broke out of that, when I broke free from it to go, what on earth? 
was <laughs> so much of that teaching was so fucked up, but I didn't know any better. And that's all I was taught. And I was taught that everybody else was lost and I was the only one that had the truth. So that really yeah. plays into yeah. our, our thoughts and our upbringing and our authenticity really, because we just become sort of a cookie cutter of <laughs> the culture or the the community that we're in. Well, yeah. So to your point, I was similar in that I took my faith very seriously. You know, I was at church multiple times a week, church mm-hmm. secretary, worship leader, yep. uh, Bible study leader, uh, went to Bible college mm-hmm. where we weren't allowed to listen to any secular music. Right? And I was bit rebellious. So I brought French music and I remember them being really pissed off at me because they couldn't tell if the lyrics were, (laughs) if they were Christian or if they were secular, they they didn't know what they were saying, you know, with my gypsy Kings and all of that. And I was like, just ha ha. But I, but that whole sense of specialness and piety Mm. is keeps things glued together so strong because you're you're different you're special you're a chosen mm-hmm. one and then when you leave that that being better than or being more pious than or being more pure than or whatever mm-hmm. and you go out into this world that is not black and white but is full of all kinds of colors and 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 a lot of it's gray when you first leave the black and white mind a mm-hmm. lot of it looks gray you're still looking for that addictive quality of wanting to be special wanting to be better than, wanting to be holier than, wanting to be purer than. And it's hard to find that out in the world, but we're that that programming, that religious structure of needing to be a little bit yep. up, up on the chain um, allows us to fall into all kinds of other, you know, egoic traps. Because at the end of the day, that that's ego. You know, our church knows better. Our However... Pastor- we, we don't see it at that way and don't see it as selfish because our worth lies in Christ. So it's not our ego. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm nothing without Christ. So with Christ in this community, yeah. I'm everything. I'm pure. I am white as snow. I am chosen. I am above. Yeah, I'm more special than you because I have no knowledge that that you don't have, I'm chosen, I'm redeemed, I'm going to heaven, you're lost, you know, if you're outside of this community. But here's the kicker, is it all rests in Christ and following him and being a disciple of Christ. So I was also taught that without Christ, it was impossible for me to love. Yeah. So if I leave that and I go in the world, first of all, the world is just so devastatingly unhappy and depressed (laughs) and they don't have anything to live for and they have no inherent worth because they don't have Christ. Well, if everything I have is locked into Christ and I am nothing without Christ, then who am I to think that I could step out of there and be anything? I can't. Yeah, well, that's that's also the illusion, right? Right. That we that we need to be anything other than what we are. Yeah. We already are. Yeah. You take you take the Christ kind of pr- protective figurehead, 
or, you know, the mommy or the daddy of the religion, as I say, because we we prefer being children rather than being adults, because then we don't have to take responsibility for the leadership. Yeah. But you take that figurehead of the, the daddy of the religion, whether it's a, a guru from India, or whether it's Muhammad, or whether it's, you know, whatever figurehead of the religion that you're following, ultimately, you are not in charge, and you're not the one making the decision. So you're not responsible, you're just a good little kid that's obeying orders and going along. So therefore you're, you're, you're not responsible for your own life. You're not responsible for uh, other people's lives other than being, you know, doing what you're told to do in service. But again, it's following, it's following an order. It's not going from your own sense of self-responsibility, self-ownership, self-sovereignty, and frankly, adulthood, which a lot of adults have real problems with. <laughs> Well, childhood faith, childlike faith is revered. Like that's the holiest, right? Exactly. You need to remain a child. Yeah. Childlike faith means that you trust and believe anything without questioning it. Yeah. And we shame children for questioning things. I remember when my daughter was in grade four, she was having a slumber party with her friends and she, I was listening from the top of the stairs just to their little conversations. And she said, how do, how do we know God is real? Do you guys know how, if God is real, how do we know? And I was like, felt sick inside. Like I was like, <gasps> how could she even question that or ask that? And I remember going to my mm-hmm. husband at the time and saying, we got to nip this in the bud right now. Like we got to cancel. Yeah her questioning anything we got to just feed her the answers and little did i know that at that time my ex-husband was already started this questioning thing and and asking a lot of these you know self-sovereignty kind of questions like why do we believe this and and why do all the denominations believe different things and really looking into that and so it was very interesting because I had no idea. So his answer was not what I wanted to hear. I don't even remember what it was. I just know it instilled great panic in me that mm-hmm. I couldn't just shut this down. Um, and, you know, like to have that kind of fear as a parent when your child is simply being inquisitive is like it's 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 the most self-sabotaging kind of thing in your life. Like, like I had absolutely no control and here I thought I did have control, but I I just felt weak. I felt like defeated and that I'd done something wrong just because my child was inquisitive Mm -hmm. and, and was questioning things, which is so healthy. And as a result of this, the thing that she struggles with the most to this day, and she's 21 now, <laughs> things she struggles with the most today, and she doesn't do it as much, but oh man, through all through high school, everything, um, is, is that wrong? Is that bad? Can I say no? Can I disagree with yeah. you? And I am so glad that 10 years ago, I was able to break free from the programming, from the religion 
And I would never have called it religion then because it was a relationship. It was not religion like all the other religions. Mine was special. I had a relationship with Christ. And so it was not categorized as religion. And I'm sure you can totally relate. Everybody out there, they have the gurus and the this and the that. Um, So you don't end up comparing your faith to other people's faith because yours, again, is special Mm -hmm. because it's a relationship. You're not just following rules. But when you look from the outside, it's all the same. Once you step out, you're like, oh my gosh, everything is the same. It's the same pattern. It's the same. The beliefs are slightly different, but it's the same mentality that you can't trust yourself to make decisions, that you have to be like other people or you don't fit in and don't belong and you're no longer special or have worth. Yeah, that's that's the gaslight. So the gaslight is telling you that you are experiencing the the exact opposite of what it what you're actually experiencing. And the irony, I think I, I think I'm quoting correctly Bible verse because it's been a long time. But you know, <laughs> thou shalt not have a spirit of fear, but of love, faith, and a sound mind. You know, if you if you follow that, you're not in fear of hellfire. You're not in fear of being judged by, you know, other members of the church, or you're not in fear of breaking any rules spoken or unspoken. You're not afraid of being cast out, Mm -hmm. uh, kicked out, um, shunned, you know, shamed, guilted, whatever. Mm -hmm. If you're acting in love and faith and your sound mind, which is you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you not, you know, not external, it's you, um, you know, then then you're able to trust those decisions, even if you would make different decisions in hindsight, but for where you are exactly where you are, knowing what you know, feeling how you feel, which no one else can ever identify with, mm-hmm. um, you're making the decisions that you need to make to investigate the questions that you're trying to investigate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and two years down the road, you'll investigate different questions. And, you know, it's it's, it's not wrong, but as long as you're you're acting out of love and you're acting out, you know, in in the best intention and in the highest self that you can bring to the moment, mm-hmm. there should be no reason for fear. Right. But that's not what happens <laughs> at all. No, right. No, I've known many people that have gotten kicked out of the church. Well, I I mean I did as soon as I disagreed. So I was the church <laughs> pianist. Since I was 13, I was a music major. I went to Bible school as a music major, a church music major. And and as a woman on top of that, I yeah. knew that I was never going to get paid for that like a man would, like all my male uh, student, what friend, what, what colleagues, students, whatever, classmates. There we go. Like all the male classmates I was in this program with, they were going to go get jobs as music pastors and get paid right. for that. But I was just going to be sort of, quote unquote, the pastor's wife. And I would do that for free because it was my passion, my spiritual service of worship. Right. And mm-hmm. so here I am. I'm the worship leader. I'm the church pianist. Like nobody else could play the piano at this tiny little country church. Right. Like there was no resources. Um, the second that they realized that I didn't agree with everything, that's it. I was shunned and I couldn't, I couldn't play. I couldn't be in leadership anymore. I couldn't play the piano. So this lady started playing the piano and she literally can play in one key, one note at a time kind of thing. And that was their new pianist because 
I disagreed. And and I did I wasn't like being rebellious or fighting them. I was just there and I was gladly playing because I love to play music and I loved the music, even though I was still trying to sort out what about the music that I believed or didn't believe and and going through, wow, like this is so interesting, these words and you know, I thinking of it in a way I never had thought about it. And um yeah, so that was, and and that's it. And there was like one of the elders, his wife would still, I would cut her hair and she would come to me still. And she was still loving and beautiful to me, but he couldn't even look at me. Like I was like poison. And if he looked at me, I would, you know, like break down his godly shield. I don't know, but would. I was going to corrupt would. him. Right. Yes. And but you literally would, because that's, that is the thing about. You know, the churches, I've known some pastors who are deep spiritual seekers, who are genuinely looking, and they're just as interested in asking the questions as you are. The better the question, the better the investigation, the better the discovery, right? So there's nothing threatening to those leaders or pastors or, you know, spiritual guides. Um, They're looking for the same answers you're looking for, you know, uh, in truth and honesty. But the ones that aren't, the ones that are there for you know, power or ego or status, um, the ones that are small and fearful, yeah, it's you will fear, absolutely right? destroy them. You'll absolutely destroy them. And and um, that's true for any organization. That's true for any religion. That's, you know, um, when, when you are in your own sovereignty, you're threatening to, you know, to the people who don't want you to be, of course, you know, because they want to be the head hon- the, the head honcho or the the person on the pedestal. You're threatening mm-hmm. to kick them off the pedestal. Mm-hmm. So let's apply all of this because I yeah. think that there's a lot of people that can relate to what we're talking about. And maybe they've never even thought of it in this way. So in my course, I talk about the mono mindset. I talk about how we've been programmed a certain way to see relationships to see, you know, our worth in one way. And there's this ideal standard. And even those who are not in the church are following a very similar standard. So you, tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about what you do and what you've done, because I didn't even ask you that at the beginning. But like one of the the ways that we originally met (laughs) as you were a divorce coach. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how that came about and why you were passionate about that, because this is where our, our intersection started. And mm-hmm. I was newly separated at the time. Right. And I was going through this whole, I had broken free from, from religion and from my faith. And I was learning about my self sovereignty and, and understanding that to a point where I could understand and go, wait a second, I can stand up for something better. Even if someone's not evil, I don't have to accept certain behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I, I, you pointed out earlier, I said earlier, I was really very genuine in in my faith and wanting to be a wonderful wife, wanting to be a wonderful minister at some point, um, wanting to be a missionary and a worship leader and all. And, and I was for the most part, um, a lot of those things, 
but I was married to somebody who was not a partner um, in in any sense of the word. I was property. Um, I was mm-hmm. treated as such. And of course, you know, in this modern age, it's not socially acceptable to treat mm-hmm. people as literal property as they would right. have done 100 years ago. In every modern sense of it, um, I was subservient and I was disappearing. My brain was rotting because I was being constantly underestimated and undervalued uh, as a woman being of service to everybody else and not utilizing my skills and talents. Um, I was being talked down to. I was being treated as an employee. Um, Sexually, things were just um, everything that you would imagine them to be in in a traditional kind of patriarchal marriage where it didn't matter how I felt or what I wanted. Um, So it was, you know, overall a pretty bad, albeit very normal looking on the outside experience. And we, we had beautiful lives and everything, um, everything that we wanted Two beautiful girls. But I knew that if I stayed in the marriage, I would be dead inside. That Mm -hmm. was clear to me. And I definitely didn't want my daughters growing up thinking that that was the way that they should live. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that 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 would be the the cost of me remaining in the marriage. So I left. When I left, I also had to question my religion that was would have kept me in that marriage mm-hmm. and would have kept me um, dying, uh, my soul dying. Um, it, so, you know, through the questioning of all that, had a dark night of the soul, mm-hmm. had a rebirth into this expansive kind of relationship with divine. And a rediscovering of what I consider to be divine, what I consider to be spiritual, and who I am in all of it, what I'm doing here. Um, it was a beautiful journey. Um, I <laughs> I will say that I spent time on the spiritual supermarket, as, <laughs> as people do, who have just uh, come out. So I was, you know, testing and trying all of these teachings and learnings that I'd never dared look yeah. into before because they were coming from the dark side and they would influence me and you know right and I felt such elation and such expansion and also such freedom knowing that I didn't have to buy into anything 100%. In fact, I was finding that most things I was looking into for me were resonating at maybe 70%, mm-hmm. maybe 80% if it was very high, but I was I was really allowing myself to take on the pieces that fed me and that brought me life, brought me back to life exactly where I was in that moment. And with time, you know, I became a little bit more discerning and I became a little bit more in in tune with uh, what felt right and trying not to stop in those those pitfalls of of wanting to be, you know, wanting to find a new path or wanting to be more spiritual or wanting to ascend to a certain spiritual position or whatever whatever that is, an enlightenment of some sort, um, which of course, you know, I, I still work at in the sense that I'm still developing myself, but it's, it's different. You know, it's not this, this um, simplistic hierarchy. So when I, when I went through that divorce, I, I blossomed Mm -hmm. and it was incredibly hard. It was a highly contentious divorce very painful custody battles, international financial situations. My mother had cancer. My father just passed away. It was just this massive storm. In the middle of that massive storm, I felt like I was breathing Mm. again. 
know, like mm-hmm. I was just standing in the ocean of life, just soaking it all in. So I learned that there were a lot of things that I had to let go of, a lot of things that I had to drop about the shame and the guilt, a lot around money, mm. power around money, powerlessness around money, mm. shame and guilt around money, um, and my own sexuality, mm. which I had to discover for the first time, mm-hmm. really, but ironically, because everything that I had done to that point had been in service to or owned by somebody else. So it was the first time, gosh, how old was I? I was thinking like I was about 34 or so, 33. The first time I really was able to experience myself as a sexual being and not somebody else's sexual you know, pr- property, whatever that is. Um, very bizarre to say, again, in this day and age, knowing, yeah. how, you know, I was an educated, fiery woman. And to think that I I had allowed myself to be in that position of being owned and being subjugated for so long is just wild, but it was normal. Well, and that's what we were taught from yeah. such a young age that like all my sexual decisions growing up were for my future husband. Exactly. You know, like I didn't, I couldn't masturbate because that was like defiling my body in some way. It wasn't bringing glory to God, which is, that's a weird one to me now. Um, but like <laughs> not having sex with someone else was to save myself for my future husband. It wasn't yeah. to protect me from anything necessarily. I mean, there was the shame was like, oh, you STIs, you might get pregnant, all that kind of stuff. But like, there was no like, you get to decide and it's what's best for you. And here's healthy ways of connecting and your body is, is, you know, is your own and you get to have autonomy. No, like none. I didn't, I didn't know that my body could ever be my own. I thought it was. I thought I was making the decisions, but I was just brainwashed to go, oh, yeah, this is what I really want. I want to be holy. I want to be a virgin when I get married because that is going to be what makes me the most worthy as a woman and wife. And I'll have arrived, you know, if I can do that, which I did barely, but I did. (laughs) And um, yeah, Yeah, there's the purity aspect to it, but I, if I could take a one minute soapbox, and I don't know if this is the discussion that you have in your circles, but the phallocentricity of our sexuality is mm. seriously disturbing. The idea that what a phallus does or doesn't do d- describes, you know, what you have done or you haven't done sex. Have you had sex? Well, did that, you know, have you been penetrated? Did they ejaculate? Oh, okay. Then you haven't had sex. Oh, new, yeah, you have like, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me and it shouldn't make any sense in my opinion to anybody in the modern age to to think that whatever happened you know with a penis or without a penis denotes how you are sexually and and what you've done sexually or what you haven't done because to me now you know now being 44 feeling like I'm I'm you know just starting my prime there's so much wealth of richness and abundance in sensuality mm-hmm. and in your sensual experience and in your intimacy and in all of the things mm-hmm. that may 
or probably don't mm-hmm. include a penis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's absolutely true. But when you're, you can, yeah, when pleasure is not part of the equation, right. like sex was for childbearing or, you know, to create property for the man, right? So you have to take pleasure out of the equation as a woman in order for her to remain in that marriage because it's not about pleasure. It's not about her seeking out her own autonomy or her pleasure. She's going to stay because she's there to bear children. That's how it's been warped. So, of course, it's going to all be dependent on whether, you know, because the genealogy so-and-so begat so-and-so and, and, you know, she was with him. Like it's all about yeah, it's all about, about penetration, right? Even in the Jewish custom, so... the Jewish What's custom that? at weddings, um, like there was, you know, in the old Jewish weddings, it was like a tent there at the wedding festivities, mm. and yeah. they would have to go in the tent and consummate the we- the marriage, which was the penis going in the vagina and showing the blood. And proving that she was a virgin. Like, how much stress is that? Yeah. And some some cultures still do that. But I think it's so sad to see what that kind of phallocentricity has actually done to men. Oh, yeah. Yes, because yes. The lack of connection. Yeah. The lack of connection and intimacy. Yep. They're missing out on 95% of the good stuff. Yep. If we're focused on the erection, if we're focused on the ejaculation, you are missing 95% of the stuff that's going to bring you joy, that's mm-hmm. going to bring you delight, that's going to bring you pleasure, um, all of the things. And and even at my age, when I talk to men, even older men, I, I get the sense that they really don't, don't understand what they're missing out on, but they're desperately craving intimacy. Mm-hmm. That to me is really sad because a lot of the intimacy doesn't need to be gotten even in, you know, having sexual relations with someone. It can just be gotten in intimacy, period. Mm -hmm. The ability to be with somebody and to hug somebody and to Mm -hmm. love somebody and to connect with somebody, really feel them and they feel you. All of that, I think, would alleviate so much pain specifically that men are bearing today. But Mm -hmm. we're so focused on the phallus we're all suffering because of it, which is so I'm off my soapbox now. No, I mean, I, I like that because it it is true. And I talk a lot about um, removing the expectation of orgasm in, in sex. Like, like let's focus on the pleasure. Let's focus on feeling and connecting and being together and not judging the success of it by who orgasmed or, you know, did I make you come? Well, nobody can make me come. I can choose it or not choose it. And I think like when I take that into my own hands, then I have a lot more power and I have, there's a lot less pressure on someone else to make me come. You know, I have to be in the right headspace. I have to concentrate on my body. I have to know what turns me on and I have to allow myself to be in that position or to accept or receive or, or go find that position. If I need to, I can be in control of that. Um, and to think that someone else I'm outsourcing that to someone else that gives me no power that gives me no strength. And 
that's defeating. And I still feel like that creeps in sometimes, you know, and this idea that, you know, in, in the swinger world, for instance, in the, in the lifestyle, there are a lot of men obviously that are still connected to that. Oh, I have to come and there's something wrong with me if I can't come. Well, I'm sorry, but a condom does not help you come a lot of times. It doesn't help you stay hard. It doesn't help you come. And so you are probably going to struggle. But again, you think you're the only one because you have this unrealistic expectation that you've been programmed into believing, you know? So what if we flip again, flip that dynamic and be like, well, what, what is it that I want? Um, if I remove the expectation of that, then I can just simply have a great experience and it's not based on the outcome. Right. I, I so much agree with that. And I saw something very recently that was absolute genius, um, which is, you know, instead of the narrative of how many times did we have sex and how many times did you come um, approaching that experience that you're going to have with somebody and, and telling your partner, look, what are, are you wanting to experience today? Mm -hmm. Are you wanting to experience romance and intimacy? Are you wanting to experience something really fiery and spicy? Are you wanting to be adventurous and daring and fun and, and, and curious? Are you wanting to just be really still and cuddly and quiet? Like, what is the experience right now mm -hmm. that, that would be really delicious and fulfilling for you? How can we make that happen together? And how can we experience it together? It's a very different kind of focus and outcome. And, and I can tell you there's, you know, a lot of, I mean, I'm sure you can too, but you can have lots of sex and you can have lots of orgasms and at the end feel like you've had, you know, a glass of water or whatever. It's just not very satisfying. Yep. I, okay. I take that back. I really like water, but you know, the point <laughs> is it's not, it, it's, it, it's not the full course, you know, delicious yeah. or main meal. It's you've gotten a French fry and then you got another French fry and then you got another French fry. And yeah, that's yeah. just, not gonna, it, it's not going to do it for what we're really longing for as people, yeah. which is the, the entire experience of being alive and connecting with somebody else. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I think that we don't understand. Well, okay. So I was fed from such a young age that sex is the thing that will be connecting because it's the glue that's going to hold my marriage together. Right. So mm -hmm. basically that's the way I'm going to connect. And that, so if that wasn't happening as regularly, there was something wrong. And in my, you know, in, in a man's programming growing up in that world, then that's a lot of pressure too, right? Like, cause it might not go well oh, yeah. if, if, if that's where I'm seeking connection, because maybe it's just a physical thing that day. Maybe it's just, you know, it can be so many things, but it, to me, it was like oh. the sacred experience that was the bonding thing for us. And if we didn't have sex enough, then I wasn't worthy or I wasn't sexy or I wasn't loved. And then if it wasn't like connecting or, you know, incredible, then, then something was off too, because, oh, and then how long am I going to have to wait again to feel connected? Um, whereas I didn't realize that just skin to skin makes me feel connected and just 
having a conversation or just being able to be soft in someone's arms kind of thing. Like those things are what brings me life now. Now I'm like, oh, I don't need the sex. Like I don't need that. I don't need an orgasm in order to, to feel connected and feel alive. I just need a really great conversation. Mm -hmm. I need connection and feeling like I can be myself. And those two things, it's like, if I can have those two things, I don't even try. I'm not going to have sex with you. Like that's just not even going to happen. And that breaks the mold. That breaks the conformity of what a lot of swingers think should happen. You know, like, oh, we have to play or it's, we're doing it wrong. No, no, (laughs) actually you're just putting pressure on yourself and you're not allowing yourself to enjoy the moment. Like, what if we can just be like-minded people? And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. There's no disappointment in, you're not a failure. You're not, not attractive because you didn't have penetrative sex with someone. What if you had a great Wait. kiss with someone? That's fucking hot, you know? Yeah, a kiss can be far more intimate. But I think what we're doing in breaking free from the illusions of, you know, what structures we need to follow and reclaiming our own sovereignty is we're allowing other people to break free from their illusion of what are we supposed to doing mm-hmm. and flipping the script into actually what really brings us alive. And so many men that I've talked to just want the cuddle. <laughs> they just, and, and they'll have sex just to get to the cuddly bit. Mm-hmm. And they, they're, they haven't realized yet. They haven't come to the awareness of yet. Oh my gosh, I don't actually have to do the sex part. I can just do the cuddle bit and maybe it won't be as as intimidating to, you know, this person who's just wanting to get to know me and maybe she'd like to have a cuddle too. Maybe we don't need to, you know, escalate things uh, entirely uh, immediately so that we can get to the great conversations mm-hmm. so that we can get to the hug or the, yeah. you know, the intimacy. And I think we forget that the cuddling bit, um, people are scared of it because it does feel a little bit vulnerable, but, but cuddling create safety Mm -hmm. and safety and connection kind of go hand in hand to feel empowered, you know? And so my recipe for an empowered relationship is connection, safety, and novelty. And Mm -hmm. when you have those three things, then you can start to have an empowered relationship because it's not based on all the rules that you've set out. It's actually like, what makes me feel safe? What makes me feel connected? What makes me feel alive? What things do I enjoy? I'm allowed to express those desires and needs. It doesn't mean everybody, it doesn't mean it's someone else's responsibility to make those things happen for me. I get to be aware of what it is that I want. And part of the thing I love about ethical non-monogamy is that I don't require the person I'm with to fulfill all those things in me. Like I can I get the best cuddles with my Steve? I He's the best cuddler. I love it. And we have great sex and very novel sex and, you know, intense intensity than I never had before. Um, but I'm not going to sit with him and have like a two hour long conversation that's like philosophical or coaching or, or self growth. That's not him that doesn't light him up. That's not what I have with him, but I have other friends that I can have this with. I have a podcast. I get to do this weekly. That fills my cup. And so I could be resentful of him that I can't have that with him. And that crosses my mind because I've been taught that the person you're with should be everything. 
And then I have to yeah. go, wait, 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 cancel, cancel, cancel. I'm not conforming to that mindset anymore. That is an old programming. And I don't need to hold that over someone because then I miss their beauty. I miss who they truly are and what they bring to the table in their personal essence. And then I'm critical and judgmental of what they're not bringing to the table. But that's me outsourcing mm. my joy, my fulfillment and expecting someone to read my mind or to be everything. And that's simply not true. And it's simply unhealthy. And it's an unhealthy way to have relationships. And I think that this is what we strive to do in our work. Like your um, conscious divorce course is learning to consciously be aware of who you are and what you want and standing up for that and with no shame and guilt. And we get to rewrite the script. We get to rewrite the rules and nobody gets to shame us for that divorce. No one gets to shame us for being different and really being honest and authentic about who we are and what we desire, need, want, fantasize about, think about all those things. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And I think it's much scarier from the other side. Like before I got divorced and made the decision and started announcing it to people, I was really kind of waiting for the sword to drop. And what I did find on the other side of it was a much quieter voice of people saying, yeah, me too. Yeah, actually my sister or my mom, or I went through this or yeah. So everyone kind of just understood. And I think I had, gosh, I must've had three or four people that were really judgmental towards me, but even the church leadership, the missionaries and things very quietly behind, oh yes, I, I, I totally support what you did. I understand why you did. Let me know if you need any help, um, which was surprising to me, mm-hmm. but then, you know, then I started gaining in my own sovereignty. And so I kind of left the the practice of the church and started making other decisions um, that were a little bit more bold and more outspoken. And, you know, like, like this talking about Mm -hmm. sexuality in a very public forum uh, was something I would never dream Mm -hmm. that I would be able to do. And, and, and recognizing that if I don't have the shame within myself, people rarely project it onto me. It's so true. Yeah. If I were carrying that, I would be a magnet for people's projections and absolutely. You'd be worried about what they think. Yeah. Yeah. But when all of a sudden it doesn't matter, it's like I if I'm living for my own understanding and my well-being and my my joy and not putting that pressure on other people. And I'm not going to worry about what other people think because it's my responsibility to love me the best that I can possibly love me. Nobody knows me like me. And the church kept me from knowing me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know me. I didn't know what I needed, what I wanted, what I liked, what I was allowed to like. I didn't know those things because I lived my life Yes, well, Wednesday. Wednesday would have been my 26th wedding anniversary. Okay. Oh. And oh. when I got married, my whole focus shifted to what does my husband need? 
How yeah. can I meet his needs? How can I be the best wife for him? How can I please him? How can I make him happy? I was yeah. never taught to say, Kareen, what is it that you need? Why are you crying every month and feeling so devastated inside? Why? Because you're not taking care of you. You are ignoring what your inner child, if you will, is screaming out for. Mm -hmm. You're ignoring that. You're putting that responsibility on your husband. He's not reciprocating that because he has no fucking clue that that's what you need because you don't even know. And then you're living in this like frustrated place, but you're doing all the right things. You're meeting his needs and you're doing, you know, making the meals or whatever. You don't even have to be a stay-at-home mom for that. But we are taught, like even in sex, like I can't ask that for myself because that's kind of being selfish. You know, no Mm -hmm. wonder so many women are like, I don't feel like it because I don't know how to speak up for what I actually want. And chances are I'm going to be penetrated quite quickly because I'm wet. And that, of course, means I'm turned on when actually I'm not. You know, like there's no understanding that I'm allowed to say no, not yet. There's no understanding to say I don't even want that in me right now. Please don't put your fingers in me. Please don't touch me there. I just want to be held for a minute. Touch everywhere but what you think needs to be touched. Honestly. <laughs> Anywhere. That's excellent. If you yeah, yeah, that's that's so good. And you're <laughs> completely you're completely right in that, you know, when you're leaving a relationship like that, especially with a mindset like that, it takes a while for you to get your land legs because mm. you're just trying to figure out if you're even allowed to have needs and desires. If yeah. you're, you know, if if you're allowed to try different things or if it's okay, if it's be- if it's if you're making a mistake, you know, am I am I one of those wild divorce women who is flying <laughs> off off the handle and doing all kinds of crazy stuff or is it just me, you know, being normal without uh without any kind of inhibitions or or whatever it is? when you're just out of the gate, it's very Mm. confusing to to find yourself again. But one thing that I did want to say is that, you know, in the, in the finding of yourself, there isn't one self to find like, oh, now I understand that I like, you know, I, I like to have candlelight or whatever, you know, when making love and I need to have that romantic setting. Yes. And maybe, Another day you might like something else, or maybe the next year you might figure out, well, you know, actually I really like this, or I really like, uh, you know, I I really like nature, or I really like, um, I I mean, who knows, like the the settings may change, you may change, your taste may change, and it's okay, it's okay to allow for all of those changes. Mm-hmm. without any guilt or judgment for changing your mind especially i think when you're investigating new relationships because you're again you're not quite sure of the dynamic who you're going to be in the relationship what kind of relationship you want what how it works in a different kind of a, a paradigm or a structure when you're trying out something new you may just want to pivot you may just want to change your mind after well, actually, that's not, you know, like I thought it'd make me happy. It doesn't really make me happy. Like I'd like to change to this or change to that. I think we don't want to 
we don't want to seem unstable. We don't want to bother <laughs> people. We don't want to seem like we've made a bad decision or gone wrong. So we don't like to allow ourselves the also the sovereignty of being able to change and adapt. Well, I've got this new information. Now I'm going to make this decision. Well, I've tried that. Don't actually like it. Now I'm going to make this decision. Yeah. Actually, that was for a different season in my life. Now I'm, you know, now I've, I've, I've matured and I've got older and finally, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, all of those are perfectly fine and perfectly normal. I just think of a food analogy, you know, like we tell our kids all the time, try it before you say you don't like it. Like you won't know unless you try yet when it comes to sexuality, oh no, no, don't try it. That's for sluts or that's for unstable people, this or whatever. And it's like, oh, see, you did that and that didn't work out. And now there's judgment. And it's like, no, I'm allowed. And I say this all the time. I'm allowed to jump in with both feet into the pool and then I can jump out and dry off. I'm not bound to that pool. I can go try a different one. I can go in the hot tub. I can try something different and I could dip my toe if I want to, but I'm probably not going to get the full experience and know for sure if I'm just dipping my toes because I'm scared to get wet. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, because we, we assign a new label to whatever the, the yeah, new decision but, was. Because we've been taught that conformity is everything. We have to fit somewhere. Right. And that's why, and I'll just do a little plug for my program here, because I it was called Breaking Free from Monogamy. But I don't want people to think that I don't value monogamy because that's absolutely not true. I don't want you to default to monogamy, just the system you've been taught, because that doesn't work very well. There's so many underlying programmings that create the need for monogamy, that monogamy creates security. It doesn't. That It's not monogamy that creates security. It's trust in yourself and creating safety and connection with your partner. That's what creates security. It's not the monogamy because you can also be non-monogamous and be very secure. Yeah, I'm putting my hand up right now because that's me. I'm a hundred percent secure in my relationship and I am non-monogamous. I'm a swinger and I'm polyamorous. And that doesn't detract from the safety of my relationship. I don't need monogamy to make me safe. However, I could be monogamous and be perfectly happy because I know where my safety comes from. My security does not come from my partner. And that's what we need to break from. So if you want to be monogamous, awesome. But you also need to break free from the program, this mono mindset that you've been programmed to because you're just going to default to monogamy for the wrong reasons. I want you to choose monogamy because that's what is going to suit you. That's that's what's going to bring you joy. You've chosen to just focus on the one person, not because you're scared of what might happen if your attention is diverted or your partner's attention is diverted. Because that's fear-based. You know, yeah. we don't want to um trap people. Like when I have a choice to be monogamous or not, and I choose monogamy. I'm not going to resent you for keeping me monogamous. I've chosen that. I could change my mind if I wanted to. But no, I value this. You value this. We chose this together knowing there's a hundred other options. But this is what we chose together and we choose every day to make this work in the way that we've designed it to be for us, for our good, 
for our relationship as individuals who come together as whole beings who are not needing to conform to the system. Marriage is not a fairy tale. You're not going to live happily ever after by following those rules. You can create your happily ever after. It's not going to be without pitfalls. But you get to navigate your own happily ever after, and it doesn't have to look like what you've been taught in the fairy, excuse me, in the fairy tales. Mm. And that's what we've been fed since we were little. As children, we want to be the princess that gets rescued. And we wonder why we struggle, you know, and put all the focus on the the wedding. And we have no skills for the marriage because, well, I found my soulmate and I'm going to be complete now, right? So everything should be great. Well, why, why is everybody struggling with this model? Why is nobody really happy? Why is nobody feeling this happily ever after? And they all feel like they're broken. Everybody feels like there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And we have to put fake pictures up on social media to make it look like we're totally happy and everything. Just because you're not happy doesn't mean you're with the wrong person. <laughs> Maybe you have the wrong expectations and you aren't allowed to allow yourself to take care of yourself. You're giving that responsibility to someone else. And that's where the breakdown happens. So anyways, I've just changed the name of my course to Breaking Free from Conformity because that to me is where it all starts. We've been told how to think what to eat, what time to go to bed, how long to sleep, all these things. We've been taught what we need to look for in a partner, void of who we are, what our actual individual desires are. I was told what my husband should be. That is not what I needed. That's not the kind of person that was the kind of person I needed. But I was told that's what I needed, so that was what I chose. And tried so hard to make it work for 23 years. That's a long time to give up yourself. And I was supposed to be happy. And I was many times. And my children are amazing. And they, you know, but there's nothing wrong with me for having chosen to not accept just 10%. Mm. It's it's interesting in what you're saying too, and very much agree with you in that, you know, we have these notions of arriving somewhere. Mm. And then once we've arrived at that thing, then we just are supposed to kind of freeze and, and rinse and repeat yeah. at, at this arrival. And it's just bizarre to me because that's the exact opposite of what life asks of us, mm. which is constant journey, evolution, discovery, curiosity, mm. challenge, growth. There is no arrival point in that sense. And when I, I think when we seek out those arrival points and, and try to make them work, try to make them stick, you know, we're immediately met with failure because nothing ever sticks. That's that's the journey of life. You know, even if I wrote down a list of a hundred things that I wanted today and got them all tomorrow, you'd better believe that next week I'm onto something else. Yes. Because that's that what I'm a growing living human with a soul who's that that is that is curious and and seeking um and and all of those things are okay too so you you can have it all and then not want that anymore <laughs> yeah, yeah which which sounds 
crazy and scary because then it's like, oh my gosh, if I get, you know, if I get everything I want and I'm still not happy, what's wrong with me? But I think, I I think it's that the, the journey of continuing to seek out your own life, your own blossoming, um, that, that is the joy in the journey. And if you get to have safety through that, that that's amazing. Because a lot of people wired, right? We're wired for change. We're wired for, for growth. And we try to cut that wiring because we're told that we should be satisfied and that we should be content where we are. And if we're not content, then we're asking for too much or there's something wrong with us. We're fickle or we're uh, ungrateful or difficult or whatever. And we're not adulting very well. And parents just need to sacrifice. And marriage is about sacrifice. Relationships are hard work. And there's, there's some truth to that. Like life isn't just like a bowl of cherries where you just get to just have fun all the time and just a journey requires going through difficulty. Like there might be a rocky path. That's part of the journey. You don't just quit the journey when it gets hard. But if you're going down the completely wrong road and you're not heading in the direction you wanted to head anymore, then you get to redirect. You get to change your mind. You get to do new things. And there's nothing wrong with that. You get to also change your mind on where your destination is. You know, and, as and you should, and you should, yeah. you're learning more and more. So your your fine tuning of that, you know, that target, that beacon, is getting sharper and sharper, and you can make quicker changes, quicker pivots, and decisions because you're so much sharper with mm-hmm. age. But I think, I think the planet is going through this, you know, general shift of us evolving at such a pace. Mm-hmm. such a radically um, accelerated pace to what our parents and our grandparents are used to that, you know, a 10 year uh, phase of your life or chapter of your life is ne- has now become a, a, a one and a half year phase of your life. You know, the things that you could have accomplished in three years are now being done in three months. Like, so we have to trust ourselves enough to pivot quickly because the information and the changes are coming at us fast. And if we don't have that core center and grounding within ourselves to to know how to direct according to the shifting tides, according to the shifting weather, you know, we we need to be able to pivot on a dime like that and know that it's okay and trust ourselves to be able to to make that decision. Um, without all all those voices of judgment in our head, because I think that's that's where we fail the most, right? Is when we don't listen to ourselves, and we ha- we listen to the voices of judgment or fear inside of our heads, and then we we uh, hit a brick wall or a dead end, which inevitably happens every time, right? Every time you know that you're somewhere you're you're not supposed to be or doing something you're not supposed to be doing, it will not go well. Mm-hmm. You were talking about the supermarket before we we started the call and um you know the idea that we don't need to conform to the next whim the next trend just yeah. because it's the new best thing and mm-hmm. part of your you know you talked about self sovereignty is trusting your intuition of what's best for you and being able to say no to things so could you just address that a little bit because I loved what you were talking about this like supermarket of of 
evolution, spirituality, and spirituality yeah. and growth, you know, self growth, it's unending. Self development. Yeah. yeah. And you can yeah. feel like a failure in that world too. In that, yeah. in business, and everything, right? Everything's changing so fast. There's no way we can possibly do everything. Now we enter a new kind of conformity, one that we have to be changing all the time. <laughs> well, that's that's really funny because it reminds me of like our parents' generation. They were all about the news, you know? And if you didn't know the news, then you weren't up on things. You had to watch the weather report. You had to watch the global news. And then what happens is like the internet hits and then we've got 700 TV channels and oh my gosh, all this news. Um, and, and so they're, you know, they hit the information age where they're getting tons and tons of news content, which they have to stay abreast of. And we're kind of like that with everything self-development, everything self-work, self, you know, you got to do your body and then you got to do your mind and your emotions and your, you know, attachment and your inner child. And then you've got to study, you know, yoga and shamanism and Anyways, it's just never ending. And there's there comes to be this curation point when you turn off all the information, you turn off the news, mm-hmm. and you say, okay, what really is going to make a difference in my life right now? What What's the, the medicine and the growth that I need right now? Trusting that only I know that because only I have lived my life experience, only I am in my physical body right now, having the emotions and perspectives that I have right now, what's, what's serving me. And I've, I've made pretty radical decisions in that sense to where, okay, so right now, um, uh, I'm founder of house of balance at the world economic forum, which is also all about conscious leadership and sustainability, um, in, in Davos during the world economic forum. It's a, it's a big event. And then, also, uh, in an impact investing uh, company, raising money for impact investments and sustainability, you know, those are projects that I'm very involved in all about um, the environment. And you would think that, of course, I would be vegetarian, probably vegan. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've learned that my body, after trying to eat mostly vegetables, actually does much better on a higher meat diet. And if I don't have, you know, a certain amount of meat, I actually feel really weak and ungrounded. So, you know, making those decisions that are not the quote unquote, right decisions, the pious decisions, the logical decisions, but, but trusting myself so much that I know this is exactly what's bringing me life and joy. And, you know, I'm going to do my best to make sure that the people who are providing, you know, alternatives, laboratory meats, whatever those are, better, more ecological and, and, um, kinder ways of providing me. I'm going to make sure to do everything I can to help that, but also I need to stay with myself and know what I need at this very moment. Maybe my diet will change. It has before, but just knowing and, and not opening myself up to the judgments of other people around, you know, the decisions that I'm making for myself at this moment and there, there'll be other options in a few years, you know, maybe I will be on a laboratory meat diet in, in three years time, which is very probable. But for the moment, you know, I've decided to, as you say, put my joy and put my well-being first. Um, my relationships will come around that. My career will come around that. And I don't have any egoic attachment to an ideology. I don't, I'm not religiously attached to 
to this is right, this is wrong, this is yeah. what I believe, this is who I am. None, none of that matters because I know full well that if I say I will never do this, you know, probably in six months' time I'll be doing it. Um, such is the nature of life, and such is the nature of our invitation to discover the other side of the coin almost inevitably, inevitably, which is, we always want what we deprive ourselves of, right? Like, well, yeah. And we're all, all we're in judgment of other people. And if we're in judgment of other people, you had better believe that life or the divine is going to invite you to experience the flip side of that coin, because that's how you're going to learn. So if you're sitting in judgment and, 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 you know, egoic rapture over how much better you are, you'd better believe that pretty soon you're going to be sitting on the other side of that table. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's okay. You have to eat your words and eat that's your okay. judgment. Yeah. And yeah, I just think that's part of the beauty of just breaking free and breaking free from this need to conform and having to agree with everybody. Like when you get to have your self sovereignty, you get to trust and really be so kind to yourself. Because someone else's opinion of you is not going to sway you. It's not going to remove your love for yourself. And if you love yourself and you're kind to yourself, you are charged enough to be able to notice what other people around you need, what your children need. You're not in survival mode. You are in abundance and just free flowing and and this flow of energy affects everybody around us it's not selfish it's kind it's loving it's giving because when we can accept um to receive things we have to be making room for that so we're giving of ourselves as well so it's this reciprocal beautiful energy it's not like we're just taking 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 and hoarding all the all the self-love you know and not giving to like there's only so much room and we have to give beautiful energy back when we're living in a place of sovereignty and yeah we forget that right we think oh that's so selfish i'm just gonna take and think only of myself no but if i don't think of myself i'm in a survival mode literally i am unable to to be the best for someone else. I can't care for someone else. I can't be there. I can't be aware because I'm not even aware of myself. I can't see past the trees, right? Like I'm just like (gasps) trying to make it through. If I'm full, if I feel loved and I'm not dependent on you for my love, I'm not going to do something for you in order to get something back. I'm freely giving to you now because I don't need anything back from you. And yeah, what kind of relationship does that create when I'm freely giving to my partner out of love and I'm feeling full and I have energy to give and I'm not resenting them when they don't give back. I can, I can input into their less energetic day, for instance. And, and then once they're filled up, they can give back to me when I'm feeling less filled up but there's no expectation of this like fair and equal exchange all the time. That's not reality, but we're taught it has to be equal. It has to be fair. You know, they have to meet all our needs and gosh, if we could just, if I can meet my own needs, 
I'm much nicer to be around. <laughs> much nicer. Oh, oh, yes. It's a prerequisite. And I think we all kind of intrinsically know that. We just let our brains override that. Because if you look at any of your family members, you know, you ask yourself, do you want them always sacrificing themselves for you to the point of exhaustion and self-deprivation? Or do you do you want them making sure that they are of healthy mind, of healthy body, of healthy emotions, and that they're not putting their stressful lack onto you? And they're, and they're probably, you know, um, disdain or resent mm-hmm. or, uh, or, you know, strain projecting that onto you. And then we, we've all had this image of these older women who are so juicy and loving and giving and laughing and fun and hugging and the the amount of good that they do a family a community when they're so full mm-hmm. of themselves when they're taking good care of themselves when they're having the fun that they want to have saying the things that they want to say you know and serving people out of that abundance and love it's so nourishing for everybody mm-hmm. to be in that energy not that you have to be an old woman to do it but you know we 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 women usually are in that mode of self deprivation until we're old enough to not give a fuck and then that's when you hit the <laughs> juicy, juicy bit of life right so we don't have to wait to hit that juicy no filter i'm doing what i want and pursuing my joy because inevitably well not 100% of the time but most often women who are fully in their joy are so abundant with other uh, and generous with other people. Yeah, yeah. It's not at the expense of others, but that oh. that's the model that we think. That's what we've been taught. At least that's patriarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Anyways, oh, we could keep going and going. I know we could. Um, but we've been on for over an hour now. So <laughs> I think we'll wrap it up, but we'll just have to do this again. Um, because it's just so much fun. But before we go. Can you tell us how, can you tell my listeners how they can get a hold of you if they want to, you know, look, find your course or whatever, this conscious divorce course? Yeah. Like, how can they? It's called From, from Divorce to Destiny. And really, um, it's a six week, six week trip through, you know, all the different areas of life and how to gain your sovereignty back and how to shed all that that heaviness and the shame and the guilt and and the confusion of you know finding finding yourself and finding your way again in a way that's really loving and in a way that you know heals some of the pains and some of the the bad um relationship stuff that you might still have lingering or holding on to you that's holding you back from being in your fullness and your joy which i think Karine is 100% on, you know, if you are headed in the direction of your joy and your fullness, all of the complexity and all of those other things, the people that are in your sphere will get in line with that. Um, but how, how do you get to that place where you are allowing yourself to let go of things and and go towards your joy? Sometimes it takes a little bit of a transition period where, you know, you're, you're allowing yourself to do that again, figuring out how to do that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, if they want to follow you on social media or anything like that, are there links that you want to give me to put in the show notes? Yeah, I I'll do that. I've got an Instagram and a Facebook. Um, both of them are from divorce to destiny. Okay. So pretty easy to find. 
And uh, yeah, and there's a lot of free content on there. You know, if people uh, either, you know, are not in the middle of a divorce themselves, just kind of curious to learn those paradigm shifts anyways, or maybe just in a breakup, mm-hmm. um, or they don't have uh, the money to take the course, even though it's very um, reasonably priced online. But if if they don't have any cash, which happens to everybody, most people, um, then you can get a lot of free content on there as well. And it's just um, a, a little encouragement, a little guidance to bring you back into your own sovereignty, into your own core and worthiness. Mm. Well, thank you, Tiffany, for being here. And like I said, I will put um, those links in the show notes so that people can find you. And is there any last little tidbit of wisdom that you want to share before we go? Um, you know, this week for me, including this talk with you has been all about following my joy. Mm. And I went to the beach and I wrote this, you know, big sign on the sand that said love and bubbles because that levity and that joy and that love has brought me so many blessings in my life. It sounds really silly and sounds really simple and, and childlike. But when I, when I focus on those things, it's brought me so much um, blessing work-wise, relationship-wise in the family as well. When I'm beaming, when I'm exuding love, everything else makes sense. Everything else falls into place. So I'm just focused on that this week. I might have a different focus next month, as I say, you know, radically flexible with um, what I'm holding on to and believing, but that this week is really, you know, is really blessing me. Mm, I love that. Love and bubbles. Love and bubbles. The (laughs) the effervescence of life, the levity. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. It's a nice little visual to leave on. Um, just like following your joy and, and uh, yeah. Not taking yourself like, seriously. Exactly. Like <laughs> holding up a glass of champagne and just watching this, like the freedom of those bubbles, just going to the surface and living, yeah. you know, being joyful. I love that. Um, well, thank you so much again. And as I always say, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. And I think that we've We've talked about that, not necessarily in a sex positive lens, but like being authentic and and breaking free from the conformity allows us to to allow ourselves to be sex positive, to not be bound to those like taboo and sinfulness and the dirty that sex can be and how it's toted. And um, mm-hmm. I just think like the most important thing is not sex. It's not non-monogamy. It's not your relationship style. It's authenticity and living in your truth and following your joy so that you can design whatever it is that is right for you and be kind and loving still to the people that you care about. It's not an either or. It's an and. You know, we get to yes, be who we become who we truly are supposed to be the most loving version of ourselves the best partner when we choose ourselves and that just sounds so contra or counterproductive or counter what what do you call that um counterintuitive yeah yeah that's the word it sounds counterintuitive but it's Mm -hmm. actually 
over and over and over and over again as I watch people breaking free as they take my program and they leave. They're like, oh my gosh, I you know, my birthright, you've returned me to my birthright, to who I am, and I get to live in my power, and I love who I am, and and then all my relationships are affected in such a powerful, beautiful way, and that's what it's all about. It's not about being selfish and rebelling against the system. It's quite the opposite, so that's Absolutely. what I'm going to leave you with. <laughs> Amen. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you so much for this discussion. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for making time and uh, being able to come. So I love you. I'm so glad you were here. Have a great week. Big kisses. Bye. Bye. I'm so glad I got to have this conversation with Tiffany. I think you'd agree that we definitely have had similar backgrounds and have similar viewpoints on things. And it just was such a joy to get to discuss those things with someone else because when you're going through that and when you're breaking free from such an ingrained religious background, such as a Judeo-Christian background like that, you often feel alone and feel like nobody else would dare leave that situation. Nobody would ever question that. And so when you find other people who have had a similar upbringing and who have also chosen to break free and have the same confidence and joy in their life that you do and have learned to make authentic choices for themselves, it's just, it's just so nice to find more people like that. And it is common, but um, I think it was just really great to get to hear the perspective of two people who really have learned just our own self-sovereignty by breaking free from conformity. And that's what I ultimately want for you all is to really be able to stand up for yourself, really look at what isn't sitting right for you and question that and be able to make decisions for yourself without shame and guilt. Drop that. There's no need for the shame and guilt. There's no need to judge yourself for having differing opinions or for questioning things and just being authentically curious about things in life, about your sexuality, about your relationships, about your relationship style and dynamic. You're allowed to do something different and new you're allowed to get divorced if that's what is the best thing for you. And there's no shame in that. And there is such joyous life after divorce. And I love that her course is called From Divorce to Destiny. And that's really um, was her main focus before. And she just navigated that so beautifully and helped other people navigate that. And she can help you too if you're in that position. I'm very excited to announce the new improved name of my program as Breaking Free from Conformity. And I thought today's conversation was very fitting to kind of bring that in and to tell you guys all about that. So the new ad 
You should have heard the new ad by now. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you're interested, if it piques your interest, if you want freedom, if you want to be able to speak up for yourself and have self-sovereignty and not worry about what other people are thinking about you, not worry if other people agree with your choices. Be different. Dare to be different. Dare to differ. Be yourself. Honor who you are. Love yourself. Be proud of the beautiful person that is inside. Take care of yourself. I love you. And I can't wait to work with my new cohort starting in August for Breaking Free from Conformity. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Corrine Bedard Coaching. And you can visit my website at kareenbedard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and share it with your friends. I'd be so grateful if you could help by giving us a five-star review on Podchaser or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list to be kept up to date about upcoming episodes and exciting news. Just visit our website at breakingfreeauthentically.com and scroll down to subscribe. You can also email me anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Send your messages and questions to kareen at kareenbedard.com. Are you a part of my Facebook community yet? Join us in Breaking Free Authentically. It's where you will find this sex-positive relationship community. I'd be thrilled to have you be a part of this community with me. All the links will be in the show notes, so don't forget to check it out. Remember, when it comes to sex positivity... Authenticity is the key. Have a great week.